uh, Pastor Jace started a series uh, called Love Is. You notice the nice 70s looking bulletin we have there. Some of you remember when that was like the coolest thing in the world. I actually had a tie-dyed shirt like that the first time it was popular to have a tie-dyed shirt like that. It's a study of 1st, 2nd, and 3rd John, which of course are incredible letters that the, uh, the Apostle John wrote. And each one of those letters seems, to, each chapter in those letters just seems to declare God's love in a million different ways. It really does. It's, uh, it's hard to describe some things in the Scripture, but 1st, 2nd, and 3rd John definitely are about God's overwhelming love and our love relationship with God. John the Apostle is one of the guys that just seems to have nailed that concept down better than anybody else. If we're going to name this one today about 1 John chapter 1, we're just going to call it Love is Honest. Love is Honest. You know, during the Apostle John's life, there were some... There was a wide range of beliefs among Christians of how you should live the Christian life, how you should live your walk with God. Now, a lot of those were not true. And John wrote this letter, and the, all these letters, John wrote them to correct some problems that Christians had about some of their views of God that were not true. One of them was this. This is a false view that he dealt with here in this in this specific book, your moral behavior has no impact on your relationship with God. That's what these crazy people called Gnostics were teaching. That you could do whatever you wanted to do and it had nothing to do with you and God. Your moral behavior didn't matter. Well, that's not true. Another false view was this. If you know God, there's not even a possibility you can sin. Because when you know God, there's no such thing as sin anymore, so you can do whatever you want. That's not true either. And that was literally, that teaching was going around the Christian church. Some Christians were not growing in their relationship with Jesus because they thought they got their ticket punched and they could just do whatever they want to do. Sounds, sounds familiar. There are a lot of people in this country today that feel their Christianity is exactly the same way. I always laugh so hard when I, when I, uh, you watch those films or e e documentaries or even movies about gangsters, you know, like the mafia. And the mafia, like this guy gets mowed down by a machine gun and they have the most Christian funerals you've ever seen in your life. That just bothers me because somehow it ties back to when I was a little kid and I got baptized when I was like six days old. Somehow it just doesn't make sense that a person's life is separated from their eternity. Somehow eternity and life are going to have to match at least a little bit. At least the relationship has to be the same. John dealt with the problem very brilliantly. Man, he really did a good job with this one. When he, when he dealt with those people, instead of talking about don't do this, don't do this, don't do this, this is wrong, this is a sin. Instead of making the sin list, which is so easy for us to do, instead he talked about something Jesus talked about, darkness 
versus light. It was very simple. Jesus used that motif often. Darkness versus light. So I want us to read together in 1 John chapter 1, verses 5 through 10, okay? I'm going to read this together. This is the message we have heard from him and declare to you. God is light. In him there is no darkness at all. If we claim to have fellowship with him and yet walk in darkness, we lie and do not live out the truth. But if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another and the blood of Jesus his son purifies us from all sin. If we claim to be without sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just and will forgive us our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness. If we claim we have not sinned, we make him out to be a liar and his word is not in us. Look again at, at the verse 6. If we claim to have fellowship with him and yet walk in the darkness, we lie and do not live out the truth. You see, our relationship with God, our love relationship with God, that is so important to us, it cannot be a living, walking lie. Any more than a marriage can survive those kinds of things. One of the worst things in the world about uh, marriage breakups is a loss of trust because of lies. That's what breaks up marriages more than anything in the world. You cannot have a relationship with God that is a walking, living lie. It's got to be the truth. It must be honest. It must be honest before God. He equates walking in a lie with darkness and walking in the truth with light. That makes sense. Sounds like something Jesus said. Let me ask you, have you ever been afraid of the dark? You know how when you're a little kid, these imaginary monsters lurk? In, in all the closets, and every shadow becomes some uh, boogeyman that's about to come out and get you. I remember uh, I, I, would, I've, I, I slept in the same bed with my brother who was five years older than me, and I'd still got scared because I thought he was in cahoots with whoever, whatever monster was in the room. I mean, I was convinced of that. One time, when I, this is so silly, but one time when I was a little bitty guy, I remember going... Uh, and my, my grandfather had passed away, and we went and saw uh, the, the casket, and it looked like a really soft bed to me. I remember that. And I remember going home and laying in the bed thinking, my brother is going to close the lid of this thing, and they're going to put me in the ground. And I was scared to death, and I remember just laying there, just petrified, so scared in the dark. I remember screaming out, Daddy! My brother wakes up. What are you doing? And, and I said, I'm, I th I'm afraid Mike's going to kill me. All the things that happen in the darkness. Oh, the middle of the darkness. What happens? You know this guy named Stephen King who writes all the horror, horror books? He has like a library full of horror books. I've never read them. Really. He was asked one day about his daily writing routine. He said he only wrote in the morning. Somebody asked him, do you ever write at night? He said, are you kidding the stuff I write?
Looks like he even knew the power of darkness. See, darkness in the Bible, understood in the Bible, darkness is where, listen to this, hidden things of evil have the freedom to thrive. Did you hear that? Darkness is where hidden things of evil have freedom to thrive. Darkness is the enemy of light. It's the strategy of Satan to snare you if you wander in the darkness. So John gives the Christians he wrote to a wake-up call. He said, you need to evaluate yourselves. Look and see how much you're walking in the light or how much you're walking in the darkness or maybe a little of each. So what we're going to do, I'm going to just give you three Three principles that he talks about here that are really applicable to us. You ready? Here goes. Number one, principle one, God is light. Duh. Verse five tells us that. God is light. God is light. Wherever God is, truth shines. Now the nature of light is to see and to reveal things, to show things as they are. That's why... We don't cook in the dark. Can you imagine eating what you cooked in the dark? We don't clean the house in the dark. We don't dress in the dark. We don't, sometimes we try to dress in the dark. And sometimes we will wear a blue sock and a brown sock. Uh, but the truth, you don't bathe in the dark. You don't, there's a lot of things that we just don't do in the dark because you've got to have everything revealed. I have, I have some uh, uh, socks that I can't tell the difference in the black ones and the navy blue ones. So you know what I have to do? I have to go to the window because the sun is the best thing. So you lay the socks down in the windowsill and I can either see the blue hue or the black one. And I, the, the sun itself gives the brightest light and the truest color. So if you want to know how something really is, you take it to the light. The more light, the better. What about going to a dentist office? You know, he doesn't clean your teeth or work on your teeth in the dark. He puts this giant train light right in your face. I remember when I went into surgery for a brain aneurysm about uh, six years ago, and I remember the only thing I do remember is that the emergency room, I mean the emergency room, the surgery suite looked a lot like a spaceship with a large, large light. That guy could see what he was doing, and I was glad. Light in Scripture refers to purity and holiness. Darkness refers to ignorance, sin, error. Now, if God is light, then he can expose darkness, sin, error. That's his purpose. So principle one, God is light. We know God, right? We know God. He is light. Principle number two, darkness is the absence of light. Darkness is the absence of light. By the way, when you, when, when this morning, when this place was dark, and whoever came in and, if Pastor Larry came in and, and, got everything ready, he did not walk in the door and say, darkness, get out of here. He didn't have to chase the darkness out. 
He simply mashed that little button over there and the lights came on. And when the light comes on, the darkness goes. Every time. Darkness is the absence of light. When people are walking in darkness, that means they are walking without that which they were created to have. God's light in their life. Walking in darkness means to live one's life in a continued state of sin. That's what walking in darkness is. John wrote about it in his gospel as well. This is what he wrote. Light is coming to the world, but men love darkness rather than light because their deeds were evil. Everyone who does evil hates the light. Listen to this. Everyone who does evil hates the light and will not come into the light for fear that his deeds will be exposed. You know, it's, it's sort of like a roach. You know? It is. It's like a roach. You turn the light on and the roaches go. They go to the darkest place they can find. They hate the light. Sometimes we buy into this dangerous philosophy that says this. We can live our way, live our life, avoiding the light, avoiding God's light on our life without any consequences. That's impossible. We can somehow live in sin and have sweet fellowship with God. It's not true. The Bible says that darkness destroys your fellowship with God. Fellowship is the word koinonia. Let me tell you what that means. It doesn't mean God's love for you. It doesn't even mean God's connection with you. This is what it means. Koinonia is table fellowship. It's a word that means sharing, mutual friendship, two-way friendship, side-by-side friendship. That's what koinonia is. It's not slave-master relationship. It's family relationship. And when we walk in darkness, the Bible says we no longer have that family relationship with Christ. It's like something's wrong. Something's messed up. If darkness is the absence of light, then walking in in darkness is living life without God. We can't walk in the light and stay in darkness at the same time. That's what Jesus said. Now, those are the two principles that I want you to know first. Now, the third one, the third one is where it connects to us. Principle three, light dispels darkness. Look at verse seven. I'm going to have to take a drink here. Verse 7, if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another, and the blood of Jesus, his son, purifies us from all sin. Instead of stumbling and riding in the darkness, God has provided a way that we can walk in the light. Simple. Now, God doesn't say, listen to this, this is, this is important. God doesn't say walk around with a light. He doesn't say walk around carrying a light with you. You know, we love to do that. Like the flashlight of God. God's flashlight, because you can shine it on whatever you choose to shine it on. 
Isn't it amazing that sometimes that's our preference? I, I find myself wanting to shine God's flashlight on other people's sins and shine the flashlight on my talents. That's not walking in the light. That's carrying a light with you. And usually we carry that light with us and pound people over the head with the light of God. It's called selective exposure. You remember when, uh, may, maybe you do, when you were a teenager and maybe you're, you'd had some kind of uh, experience, you'd been gone for a while and you got home and your parents said, I know what you did, young man, you better fess up. And your first thought is, wow, I did several things bad. Which one are they talking about? I'm only going to confess what they already know about. That's also selective exposure. And in that, the, that's how we sometimes live our life with God. That is not walking in the light. That's walking with the light. That's walking with the flashlight of God. And we shine it only on the places we have to. Jesus didn't teach us to walk around with a light. He taught us to walk in it. No secrets with God. No hidden things. No unconfessed sin. No lies. Light. Honesty. Truth. Jesus said the truth will set you free, didn't he? He really did say that. The truth sets you free. It doesn't put you in bondage. Sometimes we think the truth will hurt us. It will embarrass us. It'll destroy us, it'll humiliate us, and that somehow God wants us to confess our sins so that he can humiliate us in front of the world. We see God as this cop with a searchlight on top of his God car, and he drives up and he tries to expose our out-of-date car tag. You know, my master's commission students that are here know Sometimes people spend a year or two here just sort of learning to be honest with God. And it's the most freeing thing in the world when you finally say, this is what I got to deal with. God help me. And God does every single time. Every single time. God is the one who wants to keep us from stumbling. He wants to turn the, on the light and show us the way. It's a good thing. He's not here to hurt us. He's on our side. You know, John didn't write this book to lost people. He didn't. He didn't write this book to people who don't know him, who don't know God. He didn't. He wrote this letter to people who did know God, who were trying to have one foot with Jesus and the other foot walking in the, light, in, in the darkness. And he was saying, God, you can't do that. It doesn't work. It doesn't work. You will fall flat on your face. It doesn't work. He wasn't trying to do this to condemn them. He was saying, hey, guess what, guys? I know that sometimes you find yourself stumbling in the darkness. Well, here's what you do. You run to the light. You go to the light. You confess your sins. And guess what God will do? He is faithful and just to forgive you. The blood of Jesus cleanses you from all unrighteousness. He allows us the ability to be human because he knows sometimes we walk in darkness and, and God has to pull us back into the light. If we resist it, we're in deep trouble. 
if you've studied spiritual warfare, you've heard of the term strongholds. Anybody that's been in uh, Mike Harden's classes at all, you've heard the word stronghold a lot. Strongholds of sin, listen carefully, strongholds of sin are always in dark corners of our lives. Always in dark corners. Places where we don't allow the Lord's light to penetrate. It's like a house with brown recluse spider. Now, a brown recluse is called a recluse for a reason. He goes places that are dark and hidden. If we allow that brown recluse to be in a place where he can spin his web and make his nest, a dark corner, maybe a spiritual basement of our life where there's just too much junk to deal with, I want to tell you something. Those little spiders will multiply like crazy in those dark places, in those dark corners. The longer they're allowed to occupy a dark corner, the more of them you'll have to put up with. Now, that's a big deal. That's the consequence of walking in darkness. If you walk in the light, you reduce the effect of, of, of this piling up over and over and over and multiplied in your life. If you walk in the light and you keep, uh, folks used to call it a short sin account, that means you just, you confess your sins before God. Whenever God convicts you, you just, God, forgive me, I'm sorry. I'm, God isn't sending you to hell because you uh, committed a sin. God's convicting you not because you lost. He's convicting you because he loves you and he wants you to come to him and keep your sin account short, so to speak. Pay your, let, let Jesus pay your sin debt immediately. Otherwise, these dark corners begin to build in our life. Dark corners. And the brown recluse spider, the poisonous venom of sin, will multiply and multiply and multiply. John said it well. God is love. And love has to be honest. Ronnie Freeman, some of you know Ronnie quite well. Ronnie Freeman is uh, an incredible guy. He is one of the best songwriters I know. He, for those of you that don't know Ronnie Freeman, he, he was music pastor here for a short time. He's now a songwriter, uh, lives in Nashville, and uh, many songs to his credit. Uh, Ronnie wrote a song that I think is just one of the best he wrote. And I want to read the words to that song to you. It's called Love the Light. And it's written about a specific person. He said, I met a man who lost it all ten years ago, just like the fall. He gave in and did it his way, traded his peace for shadows and shame. Now, 10 years later, with scars to bear, he's climbing out of his pit of despair. It's no trouble for him to see his need for a savior, his need for mercy, because he loves the light. He's not ashamed, nothing to hide. Everything changed. Voices still call him back to the night. 
but he's standing strong now because he loves the light. No matter what you've been through, no matter what you go through, the answer to you not stumbling in darkness is always go toward the light. We might have learned a lesson from the brown recluse spider this morning, but maybe it would be good to learn one from a moth as well. Whatever the light turns on, that's where they head. Could it be that God is trying to tell us the same thing in our life? Whenever the darkness seems to close in around you, instead of saying, oh no, I don't want to have to deal with that and shutting it up in a box and covering it up, never to be seen. The Bible says, confess your sins. Go, go to God. Just go to God. Maybe you need to go to someone else and say, help me through this. I promise you, your fear of what people think of you is a lot greater than the reality of it. Just be honest. Love is honest. God is honest enough to say, here's the problem, Mark. And he puts his finger on something that's painful for me. And I go, ow. I don't want you doing that. I don't want you dealing with that. He says, I know, but this is the problem, Mark. He didn't do that to embarrass me. He did it because he loves me. Today, I'm going to ask you to allow God's light to expose whatever needs to be exposed in your own heart. Don't be afraid. The blood of Jesus, the Bible says, cleanses us from all sin. Every one of us found out, find ourselves sneaking around in the darkness sometimes. His mercy and His grace is no less available to us than to anybody. It's here for us. I'm going to ask our worship team if you'll come on this way. Today, I'll ask our prayer team if you'll come as well. Today, I really feel like John is asking us to do this. Take an inventory in our hearts. Just inventory. God, is there an area of my life that's not in the light? Is there an area of my life that's in total darkness? Is there an area in my life that I just, I just have not let go of? Is there an area in my life that I haven't been honest about? By the way, it doesn't have to be some deep, dark secret from, from wherever that's going to mess up your, your job or your marriage or something. I'm talking about, God, are there things in my life I just have not come clean with you about? I promise you, brown recluses are building up their nests in those dark places. I encourage you today, to come and just do a little spiritual house cleaning. Clear out those things. Be honest. Be open. And your relationship with God, your fellowship with Him, your side-by-side, face-to-face, walking together, eating together at the spiritual table will be a joy again. Maybe it hadn't been a joy to you. Maybe you feel ashamed coming into the church. 
Perhaps that's what's happening in you. Today, I want to invite you to come and clear that up. And then I want to ask you to do something else. Some of you, you're ministering to people that, like I'm talking uh, about. Maybe your family members, your children, or there are people in your life that you're going, God, I just, they're walking in darkness. I just want to ask you to give me someone up here that will agree with me that your spirit will begin to draw that person into the light and start praying that this is what God would do. This is what we always pray. God, shine the light of your truth on them. It doesn't happen through our words. It happens through his spirit. It doesn't happen through lectures. It happens through miraculous ways that God can speak to their hearts. Some of you need a prayer partner that you will pray for that God will shine the light on someone that you love that's walking in darkness. Would you stand with me now? Stand with me. And as they sing this, I'm going to ask you to find one of these people at the front. And they're willing and ready to pray for you, okay? Would you step out now and come? Would you step out right now?